welcome to the broadcast of Crosstown Church of Memphis. We are a church that is Christ-centered, diversity-driven, and community-committed. A church that's bringing people together, sharing God's message of hope, love, and service. We seek to love God, love people, and serve the city. We welcome you to our broadcast with Pastor Byron Fitzpatrick. It's the small things that makes the biggest difference. You guys can think about things in our lives. It's the small things that makes the biggest difference. There's a fairy tale. I can't remember exactly the whole uh, depths of the fairy tale, but there was this elephant, and some of you are old enough to remember. They don't even teach fairy tales today anymore, I don't think, do they, in, in school and stuff. Well, well, we grew up with fairy tales, man. We had, uh, uh, was a Mother Grimm fairy tales and Mother Goose and well, the father, Graham, and mother goose. Anyway, there was one fairy tale, man, about this elephant, and he strolled along on his very little, marrying his own, minding his own business, and this this elephant steps on a thorn. He gets a thorn stuck in his foot, so he's walking around limping and limping and limping and limping and going on, you know. And he he becomes really good friends with this mouse. He meets this mouse. And I might not be telling the story right, but some of y'all that's old enough, y'all know what I'm talking about. He meets this mouse, and this mouse helps him to get this thorn out of his foot. And when his mouse helps him to get this thorn out of his foot, they become really, really good friends. Anybody know what fairy tale I'm talking about? You remember? Oh, okay, okay. I, I might have told the story wrong, but it's, that, that did happen, though. The big old elephant got st- stone stuck in his foot, and then mouse come along, pull the thorn out of his foot, and they become really good friends. The unlikelihood of a big, giant elephant and a small little mouse becoming best friends. But guess what? As big as that elephant was, and as strong as he was, I saw a video the other day, this elephant pushed over a whole tree, right? Used his trunk and his head and pushed over a whole tree, knocked down. I didn't see trucks, big up, big pickup trucks and, and, and Ford F-150s and stuff get a chain and tie it up to the, to the back of the truck and they try to pull and knock that tree. They can't do it. An elephant knocked the whole tree down just pushing it right over, right? And then he backed up and he scratched his butt on it. So he knocked the whole tree down just so he could scratch his behind. I'm like, really, really, man? So you got this big old elephant that is strong enough to knock a whole tree down, but he's got a little bitty thorn in his foot that is disabling him. He can't function correctly from this little bitty thorn. And a mouse comes along and pulls it. It's the little bitty things that can make the biggest difference, whether good or bad. It's a little bitty thing. You you guys had splinters in your hands before, right? Those splinters, they drive you crazy. They go, I mean, it just, ugh, gotta get this thing out, man. It seems like they hurt worse than a regular cut, darling. I don't know what the deal is with that. Those splinters, they get on your nerves. But so, it's the small things. And man, the main point in this series is this. Do not despise small beginnings, amen? It's the small things that, that that so often makes the biggest difference. We just finished up a teaching series called Text. Uh, we finished it up last week. Uh, for those of you that get it, you can go onto our website or our Facebook, YouTube, whatever, and you can watch it or listen to it, go to our podcast. Uh, it's called Text, all right? T-X-T. 
And we looked at the Bible and we looked at, you know, the, the text, the context, the text of the actual Bible and talked about the relevancy of it or whatever. But we ended that. We ended it last week on how to study the Bible, because a lot of people trip up on, on reading God's word or studying God's word because they they, they they don't know how to study. Amen. Or and sometimes particularly how to study the Bible. So we talked about that. But the very first tip that I gave, I gave some tips, like four or five tips I gave in studying the Bible. The very first tip that I gave in studying the Bible was something simple, something plain, and can be considered very, very small. And that is the very first thing you need to do when you're getting ready to study Bible is to make sure you pick a Bible that has the font size and style that's friendly to your eyes. And actually, that's the case with any type of reading, okay? If you get a book and the font is too small or it has a, a, a font style that's not friendly to your eyes, you'll get frustrated of reading that book. And so you won't read it. You'll start reading. So get one that has the font size and style that's friendly to your eyes. That may be something small, but guess what? It makes a world of difference. It makes a world. It can be the thing that either inspires you or discourages you from continuing to read the font size and the style. It's the small things that makes a makes a big difference, right? So make sure you choose a Bible that's friendly to your eyes. I told you guys uh, earlier this year that I went to the doctor, and when I went to the doctor, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, he told me, you know, is I was having some problems with my blood pressure. My blood pressure was constantly, you know, creeping up and so forth. So he, he put me on, on on a prescription, you know, gave me a medication, gave me a pill, told me to take this pill, you know. And so I started taking the pill, but in the past, whenever I had problems with my blood pressure, I would just lose like 10 pounds and my blood pressure would go back to normal, right? Get in the gym, work out, run, get on my bike or whatever, lose, you know, change my eating habits a little bit, lose 10 pounds, my blood pressure go back to normal. I had never had to get on medication, right? So this is the first time I ever had, I had did medication. But here's the deal. So I, I was like, okay, doc, I'll listen to you. I'll, I'll take the medicine, you know. Uh, but I did, I did, you know, do some things to lose some weight. So over the last several months, I've lost about 10 pounds. I know it don't look like it, but yeah, I've lost about 10 pounds. I've been checking my, my blood pressure. My blood pressure is constantly going down. You know, and, 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 and I'm almost back to normal right now. And so it's the small things, you know, sometimes we don't understand. It's, it's the small things that makes a really big difference. Losing 10 pounds over a course of several months, over, over course of, a course of two or three months, you know, is not that big of a deal. It's not that hard. It's a very small deal. But it does a big thing when it comes to decreasing your blood pressure. It's a small thing, but it makes a big difference. Amen? Amen. There's a lot of things in life. It's the small things that makes the biggest difference. Every So I want everybody, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Zechariah, all right? Zechariah. Turn to the book of Zechariah. It's an Old Testament book, all right? Zechariah, he's one of the Old Testament prophets. And so um, if you know anything about prophets in the Bible, uh, prophets are these people that God would speak to and give them a word through, he would speak to them through different ways, some through visions, through angels, through dreams, you know, sometimes through, you know, uh, situations, uh, sometimes through other people, but God would speak to them. And when God would speak to them, God would give them direction. He would give them instructions on their current situation to leading them to a better situation, not them specifically, but particularly the children of Israel, the, the, the Hebrews and so forth. Or, or whoever it might be. And uh, so he would give them a word of instruction to lead them out of a destitute situation into a better situation. All right. 
So there was always a bigger picture. You know, there was a, there was a, 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 an immediate situation going on, but it always led to a bigger picture. So uh, Zechariah, one of the Old Testament uh, prophets here, and here in this situation, uh, the Old Testament here during Zechariah's days, the Hebrews, the children of Israel, they are in exile over a period of, over over their their whole you know the existence of the, the nation of Israel. There's been different times because of different situations they found themselves in exile because of different empires that come come in and take over and conquer. <clears throat> during this particular time, uh, the Persian Empire was the dominant empire at the time. So throughout history, there's different. We had the, we've had the Egyptians. They had they ruled at one time. You know, we had the Persians that ruled. You know, a lot of the land at one time. We had the, uh, the, uh, the 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 Roman Empire at one time, and then coming up in modern days, we had the European, the the the, the British and the the English and so forth. They ruled for a long time. The English, okay. So here during this time, the Persian Empire, they are like the dominant empire. And Hebrews, they are in exile, and they're in a the land called the the, uh, the Babylonian land, right? Some of you might remember King Nebuchadnezzar. All right. He was a Babylonian king. Anyway, um, here during this time, during Zechariah's time, this guy by the name of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, all right, Zerubbabel, he is appointed, he is appointed as governor over the region that Zechariah is living in. All right, so the Persian Empire, there's a, uh, there's a guy that's like the king or the emperor or whatever. But in the region where Zechariah is living, he's appointed as the governor. And so what happens during this time, God begins to send different messages to Zechariah. Different messages. He would send messages to him through dreams, through visions, through angels. Angels would come to him and speak to him and so forth. So God was sending Zechariah these different messages concerning the nation of Israel and their situation or concerning the area where they were living in and so forth. So again, the children of Israel are in exile. They're not in Israel. They're not in Jerusalem and so forth. They're in exile, living in Babylonian, uh, Babylonian captivity. So they're being oppressed, all right? God sent us a message. One of the messages that God sends to Zechariah was concerning the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. It had been torn down. It had been burned up. Destruction was all, it was, a, it was, it was in shambles, all right? God gave Zechariah a message uh, through an angel to, about his plans to rebuild the temple in Israel. So we're going to pick up here, Zechariah chapter 4, and verse number 6. We're reading verse number 6 through 9, okay? All right, you guys there with me? Say amen. All right, then I'm going to go ahead and go. Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 through 9 says, Then the angel said to me, There was an angel that was speaking to Zechariah, uh, delivering a message from God to Zechariah. He said, Then the angel said to me, He says, This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. Remember, Zerubbabel was appointed, he was the governor in the region at the time. An angel is speaking to Zechariah, and the angel is saying, This is what God is saying to Zerubbabel. Y'all got that? Y'all see? Okay. So he says, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by, so God is, the, the, the angel, I, I want y'all to make sure y'all understand this. Picture this. The angel is speaking to Zechariah, telling Zechariah what God is saying to Zerubbabel. So God isn't saying this stuff to Zechariah. 
An angel is telling God, God is saying this to Zerubbabel. God is speaking to the governor. God is not speaking to Zechariah. Angel is delivering the message to Zechariah what God is saying to Zerubbabel. Okay, y'all got okay. He says, it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God didn't say that to his prophet. God said that to the governor. Y'all follow me? Yeah. Okay. He says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's place. It says, it will come, it will become a plain level, a, a level plain before him. It says, and when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in the place, in place, the people will shout, my God, blessed, my, or may God bless it, may God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who will lay the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that I am the Lord of heaven, or that the Lord of, of heaven has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin to see the plumb line in whose hand in Zerubbabel's hand so an angel is speaking to Zechariah telling him but what God is speaking to Zerubbabel the governor telling him that it's not by might not by power but by my spirit says the Lord that these things are to be done God is speaking to him letting him know that this temple is going to be rebuilt Zerubbabel is going to be the one the governor is going to be the one who's going to going to establish the foundation of this temple he's going to be the one to lay the final stone on it it's going to be his commission to make the temple of Israel get rebuilt built. And he said, nobody, God's going to remove everybody out of the way, every stumbling block. He's going to level the plane so that Zerubbabel is not going to have any problems in getting this done. All right. And then he says to him, he says, do not despise small beginnings. He said, because for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. See to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. God is going to rejoice, not only over the small beginnings, but he's going to rejoice to see the hand of Zerubbabel make this happen. Y'all with me? So again, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, they're in captivity. Zerubbabel's appointed governor. All right, so y'all got all that, right? Okay, so here we go. If you ever built, if you ever gone through the process of building a house, buying a house, piece of real estate, whatever, you know. If you ever gone through the process, you know it can be a long, drawn out process. It, it can be full of headaches, right? It, it, it just, it just, sometimes you just want to just give up. You just want to leave it alone. You just want to move on. Just on. Me and my wife, when we, when we set out to get our very first house, it took, to be honest with you guys, it took, it took, it took some years. When we made up our mind, okay, it's time for us to get a house. Okay, it took some years. Uh, uh, Nini and Dion, our two oldest, they were born. Uh, Tia wasn't born yet. And uh, Tia was born, what, three years later? Four years later? You 22, you what? You 23? Dang. 26, so three years. So, three year process. It took us like a three year process to get a house, right? 
Okay, and so so during this time, you know, it's like, man, we just had ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. And, you know, we was young, you know, we like, we messed our credit up. So we had to go through a whole process of fixing our credit and getting our finances in order and all this stuff like that. So we can have a nice down payment, nice credit and all this stuff so we can get a house. Anyway, we go to the process of getting a house. But then we're trying to find a house. We had trouble trying to find a house. The real estate market was all over the place. The inventory was low, you know, so it was trying to find a house that was fitting for what we needed for our family. Lo and behold, you know what I'm saying? A good friend of mine that goes to our church, he's a, he's a, uh, um, uh, 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 he's a developer. He built he, he he built malls and stuff like that, shopping centers and malls and everything like that. Well, we were over his house one day. Me and Margaret over his house one day, having dinner with him and his wife. And then um, he we getting ready to leave, and he got a big old mansion house too, crazy. And we're getting ready to leave, and this is what the dude said. He said, hey, "Pastor Byron, Pastor Byron, is there anything that I could pray pray for you and Marguerite about?" And I was like, "Oh, I can't really think of nothing." And then I stopped and I said, "Yeah, there is something." I said, "We're trying to get a house. You know, we're trying to find a house and blah blah blah." So pray that we find. Find a, find a good house, right? About two days later, he calls me up. He said, Pastor Byron, he says, um, uh, I, uh, you still looking for a house? I said, yeah, I'm still looking for a house. He said, well, go by my office. He said, my daughter's there. Um, she'll give you a set of keys. He said, I got a house. And um, he said, I think it might be good for you. I think it might be what you're looking for. He said, but go, go, go get the keys. Uh, stop by the office, get the keys, look at the house. He said, I don't know what it looks like. He said, I haven't seen it. It's, it's, been, it's been empty for like two or three years now. He said, but I have no idea what the house looked like. I haven't even seen it yet. And I was like, wait a minute. I said, this is your house? He's like, yeah, this is my house. I said, you ain't seen it? I said, why haven't you seen the house? He said, well, some dude owed me some money, so he just gave me the house. That's type of money. <laughs> That's type of money he got, right? He got some long money. <laughs> I'm a long margarita. I'm telling you. He said, some dude owed me some money. And he said, so he just gave me the house. I was like, okay, you rolling with some big ballers then, okay. <laughs> so we go, me and Marguerite get the key. I go by the office, I get the keys, so get Marguerite, we go by the house, and we look, and it was like, this is everything that we've been looking for. This is going to suit our kids, our family. This is going to be it, you know? So we got out. Anyway, it was a long process. You know that when you go through uh, uh, buying, buying some house or structure or a uh, uh, building or whatever, it can take a long time, but here's the deal. God, the, God was speaking to Zerubbabel, the governor, and the angel was speaking to Zechariah. He said this, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It wasn't by might, it wasn't by power that me and Marguerite was able to get the home that we was looking for. It took us a long process. That we that was the beginning. He said, do not despise small beginnings. Those small beginnings, guess what? We, we sometimes despise those small beginnings and, and we'll let them discourage us and stop us from continuing to move forward. Amen? Because we want things to happen much faster. But he also, he said, not by might, not by spirit, not, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. He told Zechariah, he says, look, he says, Zechariah, God was letting him know that it was going to happen, but it's not going to happen in the way that he thinks is going to happen. Zechariah, this temple is going to get rebuilt, but it's not the way you think it's going to get rebuilt. He said, this is how it's going to get, get, get rebuilt. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Y'all, how many times y'all heard somebody preach on God, man, not by might, not by power, not by spirit, says the Lord. God is going to do a miracle in your life. God is going to do something powerful in your life. God is going to do, yeah, he said not by might, didn't he? He said not by power. God is going to do something powerful in your life. Wait a minute, you, didn't you just say not by might and not by power? Yeah, you're going to do a miracle in your life. Didn't you just say not by might, not by power? 
Didn't he say that? But by my spirit. Notice that the word spirit in this scripture is capitalized. The word spirit in the scripture is capitalized, meaning that it's a proper noun. That means it's a person, place, or a thing. Well, we know the spirit ain't no place. We know it ain't no thing. So it must be a what? Person. Proper noun. The person is God. The person is the spirit of God. And we know him as the Holy Spirit today. Amen. The person is the spirit of God. God himself, his spirit is going to do what? He's going to do the same thing in your situation that he did in Zerubbabel's situation. What did he do? He spoke to him. He spoke to him. That's what he did. He said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. God was speaking to Zerubbabel and the angel was speaking to Zechariah. The spirit of God is speaking to two different men, telling them how this is going to happen, the rebuilding of the temple. It's not going to be some miraculous thing that's going to happen. He's not going to use no big old force or anything like that. Not no something real mighty and something real powerful. He's going to simply use his spirit. He's going to speak to the right people at the right time on your behalf. He is speaking to the right people at the right time in this situation. He's speaking to the man of God and he's speaking to the governor. Who else do you need? He said, don't worry about it. Every day, he said, I'm going to level the plane for Zerubbabel. Anybody, ain't, ain't nobody going to, he said, not even the highest mountain would be able to stand in his way. God will speak to the right person at the right time in your, in your situation, on your behalf. Just like he spoke to these two, he will speak to you. He will speak to somebody. There's somebody that's in your way. There's somebody that you need. There's somebody in your situation right now. Let God speak to you by his spirit. Let him speak to you. Somebody else that he needs to speak to, too. Trust him that he will do it. He's speaking to somebody. He's speaking to somebody else. You, what, what you need? What you need? Hmm? You need a title? Maybe he's speaking to that person that's the title holder. What you need? Need a loan? Maybe he's speaking to the person that holds the loan. Huh? You need a door open? Have y'all heard this statement? Uh, uh, I think it's further down my nose, but I'm going to give you. The small, small hinges do what? Opens big doors. Small hinges opens big doors. It's the small things that can make the biggest difference. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to switch up on y'all for just a moment. What time is it? Looking at my clock. Switch up on y'all for just a moment. You know, we have a couple of generations of people, uh, uh, young people today. A couple of generations of young people today. We got the millennials and we got the Gen Zs, right? And the thing about the millennials and the Gen Z's is that they have no confidence in the process to get to a certain place or the time that it takes for it to actually mature. Deanna looking at me laughing. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Deanna? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, if you're a Gen Z or, 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 or a millennial, you listen to me, okay? A lot, a lot of Gen Z's and a lot, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them don't really understand uh, uh, the process or they don't they don't they don't uh, they don't appreciate the process of, of what it takes to get certain things done. And they don't they don't they don't have the patience to wait for it to actually mature. And what happens is they jump ship too fast and they jump over to something else. And, and, and all the time, God, where, where are you going? Where are you going? Come back. 
You know, you, 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 you on the playground and God trying to, you and God trying to play. Y'all playing patty cake, patty cake. And I was like, you run off somewhere. God, like, where you going? We was having a great time over here. Where you going? Come back. You know, and, and you run off to something else. You know, here's the deal. There's, there's a commercial. Play that commercial, Tia. Wentworth. Cash now? It's your money. Use it when you need it. J.G. Wentworth is right. It's my money and I need it now. 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 Amen. Some of you guys remember that commercial, right? It's my money and I need it now. Boy, I, I, don't care. Boy, I tell you, when that commercial was going on, man, we would be saying it about everything. I was like, it's my money. <laughs> like, wait a minute, y'all slow, slow down now, slow down. Okay, but here's the deal. A lot of young people today, they have no concept of the work that they do today does not necessarily yield a paycheck right away. You're going to do work that you're doing right now. The payoff may not come to years down the line. And I'm not saying that with everything, okay? But, but there's some things that God is working on you on. There's some God things that God is doing in you right now. You may not see the payoff of that thing until some years later. But, 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 but guess what? God said, God said he rejoices. He said, do not despise small beginnings. And then God said he rejoices in those small beginnings. And while God is rejoicing in them, here's the deal. Think about this right here. Think about God done led you into something. He, he, you, 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 you know, you feel it deep inside you. God is moving you in a certain direction and he's moving you. And as you, you begin to move in that direction and some things are happening, some small beginnings, some small beginnings are happening. And, 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 and in, the, in those small beginnings, you get discouraged. You know, it, it may not be perfect. Every, you know, you're going to have some struggles and, and you get discouraged in that thing. And you're like, huh, man, I, I got to do something else. This ain't happening fast enough. I got to do something else. This just ain't working out like I thought. I got to do something else. You go do something else. The whole time, God does not despise that small beginnings. And the scripture says that he is rejoicing in that small beginning. Amen. And while he's rejoicing in that small beginning, you're complaining and you don't ran off. And God said, wait a minute. I thought we was having a great time over here. I thought we was having a great time and you done left. You done left. It's not, life is not built on instant success and gratification. Life is built on hard work and longevity. Michael Eugene, he just retired from the uh, post office. What do you say, 40 some years at the post office, Marguerite? 47? 40, 47 years at the post office. I mean, coming up in my day, you know, I'm like, dude, you crazy. And I know y'all look at 47 years on the same job and be absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. And, and, you know, we live in a different day and time. So, you know, that's very rare. But in his day and time, it was established on hard work and longevity. I will probably I will guarantee you that him retiring and, and the, the hard work and the longevity that he put into that, that his retirement, he probably chilling. He probably don't have anything to worry about right now. You know, it, it ain't built the same for us, like, you know, for us. And it definitely ain't built the same for y'all. You know, it's, it's just different. But what he had, long, hard work and longevity. He, he chilling now. 
He's like, man, I'm finna go, I'm finna go look at the mountains. I'm finna get me an RV and go just drive and look at the mountains. He was gonna go out, he told me he gonna go out and go to Seattle and see Andre, right? And uh, he's under, he's talking about flying and stuff. He's like, I'm flying. He's like, I'm gonna get an RV and drive across the country. He said, I don't care if it takes me a whole month to get there. <laughs> hey, you know what? Just the, the, the work that you do today, those small beginnings may not yield a payoff right now. But the payoff, if you stick with it, will pay off, amen, especially if God is involved in it. One of the reasons that people struggle with this instant success and gratification is that they don't appreciate the small beginnings. People don't appreciate the small beginnings. They actually despise them. God told Zechariah, he said, do not despise small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. God is rejoicing while we're complaining over these small beginnings. No one, you know, people always say that no one uh, likes a hypocrite. No one likes a person who is ungrateful. No one likes a person who is ungrateful. You doing and you doing and you doing and you trying to help them. You giving them words of advice. You giving them encouragement. You're there for them, but they're ungrateful. Nobody likes them. And think about this. God is pushing us in certain directions and with are these small beginnings that he's rejoicing over and we're ungrateful and we're complaining. Think of what that does to him. It does not. When you don't appreciate the small things, the small beginnings, you're demonstrating an ungrateful heart. Amen. God wants Zachariah to be very careful that celebrating the small things, celebrating the small beginnings, celebrating the small accomplishments, celebrating the small wins is a necessity in this situation. He said, Zachariah, this is not going to happen like you think it's going to happen. Uh, this, this ain't going to be no miracle. This is not going to be no powerful thing. It's going to be by my spirit. I'm going to speak to the right people at the right time. And we're going to make this happen. And it's going to be a process. It make, it, it's going to take some time. But be careful. Rejoice over the small things. Re rejoice over the small beginnings. Re rejoice over the small winnings. Be, be Have a grateful heart through this whole process. You know, historians, they say that Zerubbabel, he commissioned the rebuilding of the temple as a political move. Probably so. But the Jewish, Jewish scholars say that he did this as God answering their prayers. I don't know if it was one or the other. Maybe it's a combination of both. Word says God did this, right? Zerubbabel, the governor, he wasn't no godly person. I mean, we don't know if he was, we don't know much about him. We don't know if he was an evil person, but he was a part of the Persian Empire. So a uh, different type of faith that was going on right there, but God used him. I don't know who right, who wrong, and, and the specifics and stuff like that. This is what I do know. You wanna know what I know? The temple stands today. You hear me? Catch that. This was like, like 500 and something B.C. before Christ was even born that this happened. The temple is in ruins. The children of Israel are in exile. They're not living in their own land. They're living in somebody else's land in captivity. God speaks to Zechariah. Uh, God speaks to Zerubbabel, the governor. An angel is speaking to Zechariah. We're going to get this temple built. Nobody's going to stand in the way. I don't know how and all the specifics of how it happened and all of everything else. I do know this. That temple stands today. Over 3,000 years later, it stands today. 
that ought to count for something. Five years ago, we started Crosstown Church. We started as a Bible study in our apartment upstairs. Six months later, we started doing Sunday services at the Playhouse on the Square. Today, we're here at Crosstown Concourse, which was our very plan when we were still living in Des Moines, Iowa. It took us five years to get in this building after moving here. We established this when we were still living in Des Moines, Iowa. When we got here, plans was disrupted a little bit. Some things threw us off course. Some things discouraged us, but we found another place. We found a playhouse on the square and we kept moving. We had some obstacles there. Y'all know, some of y'all was there. We had some obstacles, okay? Pandemic hit, boom, in the, in the middle of our largest growth spike. In the middle of our largest growth spike, the pandemic shut it all down. And we kept going though, we kept going, we kept going, there's some business wrong. And here we are, our second service in Crosstown Concourse, which is something that we had, which was a part of the plan before we even resigned our jobs, before we even sold our house, before we even told Tia that she gonna have to leave in her senior year of high school. Yeah, before we did, before we did it, before we made it even a really big public announcement in, 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 in a way, we had already made the plan. This building was in shambles. This building was under construction. Actually, they weren't even doing construction yet. They was cleaning this thing up. It was, it was in shambles. You walk down the hallway, look at the pictures. Me and Marguerite came here. They invited us to come here to do a, a, a construction tour. We had to wear hard hats and everything walking around this building. They had to tell us, be careful. There was almost so much stuff going on around here. It was a mess. The temple was a mess. And God spoke to somebody. Said, we're going to get it rebuilt. Amen. Here we are today. We have a reason to rejoice. God said, do not despise small beginnings. You may not see the payoff right away. It's going to take some time. It's going to be some process. It's going to be some ups and downs. But celebrate, rejoice in those small things. Amen. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to wrap this up. Y'all over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the small things that make a big difference. Amen. There are some small things that we have overlooked too long. There's some small things that we have neglected for too long. Some of us, we walking around here like a big old elephant and we got a thorn in our foot and we can't even walk right. And it's just neat. We just need something just to get that small thing in the right place. Get it out of our foot. Amen. So it was Paul, the, the apostle Paul said that he said that was this, this, thorn in my side. As holy as this man was, as righteous as this man was, as determined as this man was, willing to risk his life to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out, doing everything and traveling all over the countryside and everything. That was this thorn in his side that was constantly bugging him. There's a small thing that's constantly bugging us. Today, we're going to do this right here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring it to a closure with this. Uh, uh, and this, this is, Why people don't change. Why people don't change? We all have areas in our lives that we need to change. Amen. But for whatever reason, for some reason, we never change in these areas. These days, they just stay the same. Amen. You know, we heard the saying insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. Amen. It's insanity. We're doing the same thing. We want change. We want change. We know we need change. In some ways, we're even killing ourselves and killing people around us because we ain't making the necessary change that we need to make. And nobody's moving forward. Everything's staying the same. We're doing the same thing over and over again. We got to do something different, man. You're, you're doing the same thing repetitively. 
friendly that, that that's going to get you where? In the same place. Amen. If you're walking around a block, you're going to end up in the same place. Amen. So maybe maybe just stop walking around a block. Instead of walking around a block, just walk. Keep straight. Instead of turning, keep straight. <laughs> You're going to end up in a different place. Why don't some people ever change? Why do people keep doing the same thing over and over with no results? You know, we can come up with all kinds of reasons, all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, uh, reasons why. But let's try to get to a place to, to understand what's the core. We can come up with a whole bunch of reasons. What's the core? What's the core? I, I'll give you one core. Motivation. Motivation. Uh, uh, a lot of times we lack motivation. We know what we need to do. We can see it. It's plain. It's out there. Everybody done told us. The best scholars have told us. The best professionals have told us. The doctors have told us. The, 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 I mean, every, it's in the books. It's, in the, it's all over online. It's everywhere. We know what to do. But for some reason, we lack the motivation to actually do it. And then we'll take off and we'll run and we'll do a little, you know, take a couple steps. We'll take some small beginnings and then we'll get discouraged. And then we do what? Despite the small beginnings and we jump ship. We leave. We're doing something else. God said, do not despise the small beginning. It's the motivation. Motivation is the small thing that makes the world of a difference. Most people lack motivation uh, to make that actual change. What is motivation? Motivation is the reason uh, that people act or behave in the way that they do. It's the reason that you act and behave in the way that you do. Some people's motivation is terrible. Some people's motivation is, 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 is great. So if your motivation is terrible, you're going to behave, you're going to act in certain ways based on your level of motivation. If it's low, you're going to, you're going to act in, in low ways. If it's high, you're going to act in high ways. People are not making the necessary change that they need because of where their motivation is at. Find out where your motivation is and you'll see why you're at where you're at. Amen. Amen. Why do we do? Here's some synonyms of motivation. Motivation is this incentive. What's your incentive for, for what you're doing? What's the stimulus? You know, they were giving out them stimulus checks, boy. Everybody was changing their lives, wasn't they? <laughs> everybody would change some stuff real fast when those stimulus checks were coming out. What's, what's your stimulus? What's your stimulus check? Well, inspiration. What's your inspiration? Your inducement. What's in it? You know, when, you, when women go to the hospital, they, they pregnant and stuff, they'll induce their labor, right? Let's hear them push this along. Ooh, okay, let's get... Push. Get to push it along. What's, what's, what's pushing you along? That's to squeeze the trigger. I mean, squeeze the syringe into the back. You know, that's what the psh is, you know? Get that in there. What, what's, what's, your, what's your inducement? What's pushing you along? Or who's pushing you? Who's pushing you or what's pushing you? Okay? Provocation. You know, what, what is it about this situation that's making you mad? That's what provocation is. Well, you got a situation. Well, guess what? Sometimes there's some things that needs to make us mad. The scripture that you read, was it the book of James? You know what he was, huh? You know, you know what he's talking about in that? He said, this ain't the time to be happy. This is time to be mad. This is time to be upset. This is time to be crying. Over what? Over what you did. Over what you did. Don't be mad at the world because you're in the situation you're in. You be mad at yourself. Be angry at yourself because you're responsible for where you went. You need to be upset about this situation. You need to be mad enough about this situation to make the necessary change to get out of it. That's what that scripture is talking about. What, what's, what's your provocation? What's making you mad about this thing? What rationale? Where's the logic? We move on emotion and we don't move on logic on situations. We got to stop moving on emotion so much. Move on some logic. What makes sense? We 
people say it all the time, make it make sense. People ain't making it make sense. They ain't using logic. People are moving on emotions too much. Our emotions are good. We need them in the right place, amen? My grandma, she used to bake cakes and pies and cook and everything. And she used to love to cook, out, cook from scratch, right? Very rarely did she use boxes to cook with. But she would make these homemade biscuits. And when she would make these homemade biscuits, and then around Thanksgiving and special holidays, she would make these special, special rolls, right? These like butter rolls or whatever, man. And she would make them from scratch, and she would get that dough. She'd be at nighttime in the evening time, and she'd be uh, uh, kneading, kneading the dough over and over again, you know, and doing all this stuff, flour, and, you know, kneading the dough. And she would get it to the place she would want, and she would take it and sit in a bowl, you know, and she would wrap that bowl up, and, and then she would let it sit overnight. You know, and, and, and them rolls, when she make them special rolls, she put them on, a, on these big old cookie sheet pans and she would, you know, square them off and she would put them in the pans and she would wrap it up and, and sit the pan to the side and get up in the morning time. We get up in the morning time and that bowl of the dough or that, that pan of those, those rolls that she cut out, they would be twice the size. Twice the size. They would have rolls overnight. Rolls overnight, man. Guess what? Some of us, the thing that will make that dough rise is this ingredient called yeast. Without yeast, that dough's not gonna rise. But as soon as you put some yeast in there, it's gonna make it rise, right? And some of us, we need some yeast in our lives. We need some yeast in our lives, amen? Not some bad yeast, we need some good yeast in our lives, amen? In the book of Galatians chapter five, verse nine, write this down if you can, right? Book of Galatians chapter five, verse nine, it says a little leaven, this is the Apostle Paul that wrote this, all right? He said a little leaven, y'all know what leaven is? Yeast, yeast. yeast. <laughs> he said a little leaven will do what? Leaven it the whole lump. Lump of what? Lump of dough. This is what Paul is talking about. He said, just a little bit of yeast, throw it in that dough. A little bit of yeast is gonna make the difference. A little bit of yeast is gonna make, make it rise, or not. You know what Pastor Paul was talking about when he said this scripture? He's talking about people teaching the word of God in wrong manners. He's talking about people changing the word of God. He's talking about people, he said, he said, there's people out here that's teaching you doctrine, teaching, teaching God's doctrine, and they're putting a little bit of yeast in that thing. I'm gonna throw my, my, my little something on this word. I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna change this word. I'm gonna throw my little something on this word. And he said, a little leaven, a little leaven unleaveneth the whole lump. This ain't no good. They putting their own spin on this thing. This ain't no good. And he said, what it's doing is leading y'all in the wrong direction. He said, just a little bit of throwing your own on there is leading people in the wrong direction. But here, check this out. That was the context of what he said. But, but, but uh, you know, there's always two sides to every corner, right? A little bit of leaven can make this whole thing right. A little bit of, so, so when we look at our situations, amen, when Paul said that he was talking about these teachers that are misleading people, just changing one word or changing one phrase could change the whole meaning of what God is trying to communicate. So in this context, you know, uh, uh, some of you have added some yeast into your motivation. Some of you have added some yeast to your old motivation that's doing what? Killing it. It's killing your motivation. Paul said they added a little bit of their, of their own stuff on it, a little bit of uh, change, or they little bit of, and it's, it's messing up the whole thing. This is not what God is saying. Don't do that. It's leading y'all in the wrong direction. Some of us are in our motivations, and uh, we, we're adding a, uh, some yeast on it. We added some stuff on it that shouldn't be on there. It's unnecessary. We don't need this, and it's killing us. We have motivation killers. It's blowing. Every time we light a candle, something is blowing it out. Every time I light a candle, you're trying to light, light up. Somebody, somebody or something is blowing it out constantly. 
All right, here's some, this. My, my bell went off, so that Tia's trying to tell me I need to quit. Marguerite, Marguerite's back there constantly. So I'm quitting. I promise you, I'm quitting, okay? Write these down real quick. I'm giving them to you real fast. I'm not going to expound on them. But y'all going to catch the justice of this, okay? Here are some motivation killers. It's the small things that can make the biggest difference. One of the reasons why people despise small beginnings. One of the reasons that people despise change or don't get the necessary change in their lives is because of lack of motivation. So here are some motivation killers. And ask yourself the question, do, are some of these killers, are, you, are, are these pieces of yeast being added onto your situation, making it be something that it shouldn't be? Number one, toxic people. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, it says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. I think they got a misspelling on that, don't they? I got bad company. Bad company ruins good morals. There's a, a saying out there uh, by the security desk out there. Um, it's a quote by B.B. King. It says, uh, uh, no matter whether rainy weather birds of a feather no it's not flock together he said something else do something together right is this out there by the security desk it's a quote by bb king so bb king took that bird of a feather and he changed it to something else. it's pretty cool out there anyway the bottom line is bad company who you hanging out with who you spending your time with who you giving your light to people blowing your light out amen uh, 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 number two is this no professional development. Are you doing some professional development in, 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 in these areas? Are you educating yourself? Proverbs chapter 10 and verse uh, 23, it says, doing wickedness is like a sport to a fool. And likewise, wisdom is to a man of understanding. Um, a, a, a wisdom is a sport to a man of understanding. It's a sport. It's, oh, I got to get more. I got I to I, I, I get the gold. I got to get the ring. I got to get the trophy. For a fool, it's wickedness. Number three, lack of vision. Proverbs 29 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. The next one, wasted time. Wasted time in the book of Psalms, chapter 39 and verse four, it says, Lord, remind me. I just taught on this in our last series uh, that, that we just did. This was our, one of our main scriptures. This was part of our main scripture. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time will be on the earth. Amen. Wasted time. We're wasting too much time and we can't get it back. Amen. The next one is this inadequate communication. Inadequate communication, but avoid irreverent babble for it would lead people into more and more ungodliness. Inadequate communication. If, if, if people are not, I mean, if, if, if you're not around people that's talking life, talking positive things, talking about some things that's good, talking about growth, talking about moving forward, talking about, you know, uh, moving mountains, it, you know, so look at the value of some of the conversation. I'm not saying uh, some conversation is fun. We need to have fun. Amen. But 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 are you ever having real, real meat conversations with people? 
I mean, heart conversations, growth conversations, God conversations, building towers conversations, moving mountains conversations, conversations that's going to grow you. <clears throat> Last one is this lack of appreciation. And this was the thing that God was trying to get Zachariah to understand. He was telling him, do not despise small beginnings. Appreciate them. Appreciate these small beginnings. I am rejoicing over these beginnings. He said, rejoice with me. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. He says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Be thankful, be grateful, appreciate the small things, amen? Motivation is a small thing, but it makes a big difference. If you have things in your environment that, are, that aren't allowing for you to thrive, check to see if your environment is full of motivation killers. Do not despise small beginnings. It's the small things that so often makes the biggest difference. If this message was a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry in a financial way, you can donate electronically by texting to 84321 and enter the dollar amount you'd like to donate in the message area. Or you can mail a check or money order to Crosstown Church of Memphis, P.O. Box 40981, Memphis, Tennessee, 38104. We invite you to visit our website at www.wearecrosstown.com for more information about our church. Join us for our next broadcast next Sunday at 10 a.m. Be blessed and be better.